The Start On Demand. On demand. Restaurants and grocery stores are getting ready for what's sure to be a Christmas onslaught, with many people getting ready for Christmas dinner in a different kind of way this year because the gathering sizes are smaller. So, we're going to get some tricks on how to package food to deliver it to family and friends. Thrift stores have been allowed to reopen. We'll check in with the Salvation Army thrift store to find out how it went this weekend. The COVID 19 vaccine has landed in Canada, with the first doses set to be administered today. And on the subject of food, what is your favorite homemade holiday treat? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling, who's back from vacation, and Loren McNabb, who is now on vacation. Jeff Forte, by the way, back in the saddle on master control as well. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Monday, December 14th podcast for the start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us on a Monday morning. McNabb is now off this week, and Mackling is back. Hello there, Greg. Sorry about the weather, man. I did not intend to bring <laughs> that along upon my return. I came out of the house this morning. I knew it had snowed last night, but yeah. man, it is, it's cold. You, you know you're awake. So, yeah. so there's that. Yep, there's that. At least it's not super windy outside, though, so that's not bad. But yeah, it's cold. I pulled up my big Bertha jacket, and uh, away we go. North Face. Hopefully I won't have to wear it too much this week. Looks like it's going to warm up again a little bit. How is the week off? You know what? I think I could do with a couple more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Yes. I had quite a successful week of, well, getting one of my boys caught up in the homework that he's been behind on. Does not do well with the distance learning. Let me tell oh, you this. No. We completed a radio play. I had to do all the editing. Fortunately, I had the wherewithal to do that. Oh, fun. So that was fun. That was a couple hours. And <laughs> I know he's not up yet. <laughs> but <laughs> um, we worked on an essay about Neil Young. Oh. Okay. Cool. So this was a, a really a great project. It was You had to pick one of the top 100 gar uh, guitarists of all time from Rolling Stone magazine's list from a few years back. So uh, one of the boys decides, yeah, Neil Young, that would be fun. And so I gave him a little bit of direction. When was this project due, unnamed child? October 9th. <laughs> so I think we have all the October homework done now. I guess we'll have to work on November and December as we make our way towards Christmas holidays. I can't believe it's the last week of school for the kids. Is this the last? I guess so, yeah, December. Like, even as I was typing up our our lineup to hand to Forty, I think I typed, I don't even, I don't know why I typed December 10th. I, I had it in my head that today was the 10th, and then I realized, oh, it's the 14th. That means tomorrow's payday. I was so. going to say, one day closer to payday. Isn't that a good thing? <laughs> so Jeff Forte is back as well. Greg needed a couple more weeks. How was your week off? Oh, I'm glad to be back. What? Yes. No, I'm, I was bored. There was nothing to do. I, I, I told you I cleaned my bathtub twice. <laughs> What? Why? How? Why would you possibly need to clean your bathtub twice in a week? Well, I cleaned it up. Well, last weekend, <laughs> and then by the end of last week, you know, and see a little bit of grime. I got nothing else to do. Might as well clean it. Wow. I'm, I was bored. My sleep is all out of control. Oh yeah, the sleep. Yes, I, I'm. I'm glad to get back into a routine, a sleep routine. Glad to get back to work. Actually, feeling like I did something during the day. Yeah. That's fair, and I guess given that you are a self-professed neat freak, I would, is is it safe to say that your apartment is also very organized? Oh, for the most part. Okay, yeah, because that's what I did for at least the first couple of days of my week off. I finally at least got started on organizing my apartment. I got the, I pulled all the, pulled everything out of both closets. I have a big storage closet and uh, my bedroom closet. I just took everything out and just sort of re-tetrised it. I, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't actually go through any of it. I just made it so that I can actually now walk into my storage closet because I had boxes just piled up, and I thought there's got to be a better way. So now I can at least access everything when it's time when I do finally decide to purge. So you got the willy nilly out of the way. Yeah. You put it back together so that you can take it apart efficiently. 
I can't tell you how many credit card statements and bank statements and other pieces of paper I shredded. All I know is that I spent an entire afternoon and made three separate trips to the recycling bin with the bin from the shredder. So that felt really good. And I feel like I'm on a roll now, Brett. The garage is organized. Oh, wow. I've got the basement somewhat organized. I finally, I had, can I admit this? I had changed out. We got a brand new hot water tank about three and a half years ago. The old one was still in the basement (laughs) up until last week. (laughs) I finally got it out. Oh, I got the twin towers. I said, boys, we got to get this thing out of here. Let's get it to the recycling depot. And we managed to get it out. So that's another thing off the list. But I still have that big monster television to get rid of. Oh, boy. That's been down there for nine years doing nothing. I phoned our friends at uh, Mother Earth Recycling. Yep. They do pickups. But they said that they could only pick it up from the curb or from the driveway, oh, and which gosh. is obviously fair, but there's no way I'm getting that thing out of the basement on my own. So we'll wait until January until hopefully some of these restrictions go away and those folks will be able to come into the house. So that'll be, that'll be good. So yeah, I feel like a weight is lifted off my shoulders somewhat. Oh, well, it's funny you mentioned weight because uh, I weighed myself over the weekend and it looks like... I need my own circuit breaker intervention, (laughs) not to use that term, you know, in a joking way, but I weighed myself on Saturday Mm -hmm. and uh, it it wasn't like, it's not earth shattering, it's not world ending, but I've just, I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, especially since the, uh, the level red restrictions came back and all the restaurants had to close their doors again, I've been eating almost nothing but takeout. Not to suggest that takeout on its own is unhealthy, but the choices I make when it's takeout, it's always pizza, fried chicken, burgers, you know, greasy sandwiches. Uh, I never opt for anything healthy. If it comes with a salad, I throw it away. So, uh, you know, I've, I've put on probably, I want to say 10 pounds since the beginning of March. So I, not, I'm not ashamed of myself and I've been, like, I, when I, as I Pat my belly and say, I've been doing my part to save Manitoba restaurants. <laughs> One pound at a time. <laughs> but I do need to just press pause and get back to the healthier routine during the week at least and maybe save the takeout for the weekend. Well, do you find, and I found this, I used to travel quite a bit for work and I always associated going out to a restaurant with a treat. Yeah. So when you go out, you want to have something great, something you can't have at home. Well, when you're eating out two or three times a day, sometimes, like I used to when I was traveling for work, the pounds, it's easy to pack on the pounds and to put on extra weight. And so that was one of the lessons I learned, that just because you're at a restaurant doesn't mean that you have to have your favorite item and disregard any of the other nutritional rules. <laughs> <laughs> so if I can if I can help you there, maybe that maybe that's you know it's not about the takeout. Maybe it's just just you know you don't have to get extra cheese on everything. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. That's why I need to press pause <laughs> and just slow down a little bit. Maybe instead of doing it three times a week, do it once a week. Uh, but it's been great, and I you know, it's, it has been great for my waistline, but it's been great for my soul, so to speak. I've really enjoyed. Really, all that matters. Yeah, it, I, come, I, I have no problem. We'll never complain. Oh no, pizza. Oh shucks. I guess. Uh, I guess I'll just have to eat pizza again. Mackling and McGarry. McNabb back next week. Want to thank a listener to point, who pointed out big power outage in the Petersfield area. Just looking at Manitoba Hydro's website now, it looks like 321 customers affected, and they're hoping to have that back up uh, by 9 o'clock this morning. Now, we want to talk about food because today, throughout the day here on CJOB, we're going to be talking about you know people making turkeys for the first time or what are you doing for Christmas dinner? Are you doing more baking or trying baking for the first time? At 9.35, we're going to talk to Red River College chef Gordon Bailey about t- tricks for packaging food to deliver it to family and friends. But my social media feeds were just full of people doing all sorts of Christmas baking, holiday baking this weekend. So we wanted to gather the troops and find out what is your favorite homemade holiday treat. Mac, then why don't we start with you? Do you have one? I do, and I'm my uh, my nanny used to do the baking 
uh, for our holiday get-togethers, but she's passed away in the last couple of years. So uh, we have actually found someone, a friend of a friend who does baking on the side as a little bit of a business. So we collected that baking. Well, it got delivered to our door on Friday. Thank you, Jeff for dropping that off, and it's already half gone. We're going to have to <laughs> replenish the order. We had everything from uh, s'mores squares, lemon squares, uh, Christmas tree-shaped um, Christmas tree shaped shortbread cookies with the green icing, but my nanny used to make, and I, I, found, I found a recipe online for almond tarts. Oh. And so it's almond uh, extract flavoring, raspberry jam in a tart, and I guess the almond extract goes in the icing, and you put the icing on top of the tart. This thing is to die for. It's like a, a jam sandwich in a cup. It's so good. Jeff Brown, what about you? Yeah, I had a similar situation. Actually, uh, the post office delivered me a big giant box yesterday of uh, baking that my mom did last week, and they sent it to me and uh, told me to save it for Christmas, but I've already eaten about a third of it. <laughs> and it's... Uh, a big giant box filled with biscuits and butter tarts and chocolate chip cookies, and it's my favorite part of Christmas every year. And I was bummed I wouldn't be able, didn't think I'd be able to get any this year, but they just mailed it to me instead, and it's working just fine. That's wonderful. Uh, Kelly, what about you? Well, every Christmas I like to make sausage rolls. We have those usually on Christmas morning with a little OJ uh, during and after the presents have been opened. And um, also another, and I noticed in your email note to us, uh, Brett, another thing that I've taken up in the last few years is making nuts and bolts. Mm. And uh, my wife gave me a new recipe this year from her hero, the Pioneer Woman. And I have to say, it is the best recipe I've used to date. For nuts and bolts. What uh, what do you put in your nuts and bolts? Like what 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 are the, the treats? Uh, there was Worcester sauce. There was a dash of hot chili sauce. I'm trying to remember because I'm just going by uh, memory here. I didn't uh, make them that long ago. What, 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 I know what, there was uh, butter. What are the the snacks that are in there? Oh oh, uh, rice. Uh, anyway, chi- uh, the Chex cereals. Yeah. Uh, you can also use uh, Cheerios, uh, pretzels nuts and the cheese at crackers yeah that's okay that's similar to what my mom used to make she made a gigantic batch of nuts and bolts every christmas that would end up I lasting us already made a second uh-huh a boy true confessions on a monday morning i love it <laughs> But that was my my mom did all all sorts of baking. Uh, she would bake butter tarts, and I I felt bad because she'd make all kinds of stuff, bake goods, and I never liked any of it other than she'd make these raisin cookies, and for some reason that was the only thing that I liked. But only if it didn't, because sometimes she would put like nuts in them, and I hated that. Uh, I don't mind nuts, just not in cookies. So then I she'd say, "See, I made you some raisin cookies," and I'd say, "Well, there are nuts in them, so I don't I don't want them. Get them out of here." <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a nice. <laughs> Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Oh. <laughs> 4G, what about you? Oh, my mom makes a delicious chocolate chip cookie Kahlua tort. Don't ask me how to make it because I don't know. I just like to eat it. And uh, when I see it in the garage, because we use our garage as a uh, giant freezer or fridge because it's cold enough, when I see that, I know it's Christmas time. Nice. A chocolate chip. Sorry, what did you say? Chocolate chip cookie Kahlua tort. Wow. And what is the address of this garage? Yeah, I was just going to ask. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a secret. It's not a secret. I know where it is, guys. For 20 bucks, I'll tell you where Forte's parents live. Perfect. Can you ask your mom and dad to leave the garage door open? Uh, no. Just no. Absolutely not. You, you touched on something else there, there Forte, because uh, one of my favorite homemade treats is actually, it's a, it's a drink. Uh, my buddy Kent, he makes this, every year he makes up a batch of something he calls rum cream. So it's instead of, uh, it, it's like an alternative, his alternative to eggnog. And uh, it is delightful. And I ask him for the recipe every year. I think I've asked him for the recipe like 10 times. It's just become part of the tradition because I, I uh, always intend to make it. And then I never do. I just wait for him to make another batch. So I guess I won't be having any of that this year. Does he give you the recipe? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I bet you I've got like five copies of it in my Gmail somewhere. Well, you should should make (laughs) it. We've got lots of uh, good, tasty treats coming in on the text message lines as well. I wish we could just reach in 
and just grab it and eat it. Brenda said uh, peanut butter chocolate balls. She made 65 over the weekend. Oh, wow. Homemade clod hoppers. Jock oh. says that her his wife makes those. And mince tart, Steve says, uh, are his favorite. Mince meat pie and that sort of thing. That's a divisive thing, right? Not everybody likes that. Do you like mince meat, Kelly? Oh, I love it. My wife makes uh, mince meat and butter tarts. Very quick story here. One time we were down to the last butter tart. My oldest daughter and I grabbed it at the same time. She had it in her hand, and I squished it through her fingers. So nobody just got so it? she wouldn't. Well, she licked it off of her hand. Oh, okay. say, as long as it didn't go to waste. <laughs> So we want to talk right now. Oh, before we get into this, Greg, I see that you have isolated a text message on homemade holiday treats. Yeah, this fun falls under the category of this doesn't just happen in those Hallmark Christmas movies. I have a cookie cutter in the shape of a sweater. We have an ugly Christmas sweater cooking decoration or decorating contest. I have a bunch of icing and different colors, tons of sprinkles, and everyone except my mother-in-law, because she is the judge of the contest, decorates them and makes a huge mess. Imagine the sprinkle fallout, but it's worth it. The friendly competition and laughs make for great memories. Thanks for sharing that with us at 780-6868. And keep sharing those stories for your chance to win a car pass for Canadians' winter wonderland. Some of the rules... Within the province of Manitoba's COVID-19 restrictions were modified last week. Those changes came into effect 12.01 a.m. Saturday morning. One of the most notable changes, Brett, were in, the, were in connection with drive-in events like religious services and the Red River X's annual drive-through light show. As long as only members of the same household are in the vehicle and no one leaves their car. The new rules will also allow thrift stores to open and sell non-essential items, something still banned for larger retailers under the orders. Dr. Brent Rusin says thrift stores will need to comply under the same capacity restrictions in place for all stores. He says the changes come based on feedback from Manitobans that said lower income families had been negatively affected with the stores forced to close. Chris Kerr is the district manager for the Salvation Army thrift stores. Chris joins us now. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me on today. Well, we appreciate you taking the time with us. So so often when we speak of these COVID-19 restrictions, Chris, we're discussing how these closures affect the business community or the specific business. In this case, is the bigger part of the equation the positive impact the modifications to these rules will have on your customers? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, our, our customers, our guests that we have coming in our stores uh, they've been without the opportunity to make, you know, their own purchases in some cases, uh, um, you know, and now luckily for us, following the provincial guidelines, we're able to sell um, all our items to them. And, um, you know, that's made them very happy. What about donations? Are you allowed to accept donations right now? Like st- if I have stuff in my closet that I no longer need and but want to make sure it goes to good use, can I bring it by? Definitely. We, uh, we had to shut down our donation operations when we shut down the, uh, the, the stores earlier in the month or earlier in November. But right now, um, yes, you can bring in our donations to any of our eight locations in the city right now. So, Chris, uh, give us an idea for those that maybe or perhaps have never been in a thrift store. What sort of products do you sell? Well, in, in our thrift stores, I mean, we will sell clothing for uh, for customers. So right now with the colder weather that we're having, we're seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of winter clothing being purchased and, and people looking for those items. But as well, we, we offer the opportunities uh, of, uh, of um, items such as Christmas items. We have uh, products for the home, such as uh, pots and pans, uh, cutlery or um, dishes and whatnot. So we, we have a lot of wide range of items within the store, whether it, it goes to clothing, to books, to electronics. Uh, we, we offer everything for them. Was it busy over the weekend? It was crazy, actually. We were very busy. Um, I did uh, did some touring of the stores over the weekend, uh, and our stores, you know, while being at twenty five percent capacity, which is what we're we're following with the guidelines right now, um, we're very busy. A lot of people coming in. Uh, our guests were so kind in 
and, and patient in, in some cases, having to wait a little bit outside just with the amount of people that we had coming into the stores. But everybody was so excited. Uh, uh, a, our, our employees were excited to see our, our people coming in, our customers coming in again, and, uh, and the customers were really excited to see us again. So it was great. Chris, I've always thought of these types of operations like your thrift stores as a, a genuine community engagement opportunity. And just, you you can't succeed. Brett outlined the fact that you depend on donations for, for the goods that end up on these shelves. So it, it really is a, an incredible way not only to uh, reuse items that might otherwise go unused, end up in the landfill or otherwise, and uh, it, it is really connecting uh, communities that might otherwise not have a connection. No, it's so true. Um, the, the the generous donations that we get from Manitobans every day uh, help us, you know, allow us to be able to a, provide product to our customers. And then, of course, uh, you know, we, we, pri- we, we provide it at a, a very reasonable price for them. And then uh, that money goes back into the community to help uh, to help other other areas of the community, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, through f- uh, some food banks and hunger relief, um, shelter for people experiencing homeless, uh, rehab- rehabilitation for those struggling on addiction. Um, you know, our eight uh, donor welcome centers that we have open uh, are always taking in donations uh, uh, during uh, during our open hours. And before we let you go, just I wanted to, I'm curious about what, what, how does it work with clothing? I mean, I imagine you can't try anything on. Or can you, can you try stuff on under normal circumstances? Well, under normal circumstances, we had, uh, we did have our uh, change rooms open, but uh, following our current standards right now, our current health and health standards, we are, um, um, we do have them shut down. Um, if uh, if if items happen to be uh, purchased and and maybe didn't fit, then we offer a return or exchange process for anybody. Um, of course, we do have a, a, a sort of a quarantine period on anything that's been returned, uh, and that can safely go back out in the store after that quarantine period. McGarry, Mackling, McNabb back next week. Question of the day at cjob.com is brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. And the question is, are you making a turkey for Christmas dinner? Because we're talking about, you know, how restaurants and how grocery stores are getting ready for an onslaught of uh, different kind of turkey purchases or uh, people ordering meals in for the smaller gatherings. And at 9.35, we're going to speak to Red River College chef Gordon Bailey, tricks for packaging food to deliver to family and friends. So the question, are you making a turkey for Christmas dinner? And so far, 50% say yes, but smaller. 33% 33% say, no, making or ordering something else. Uh, 17% say, yes, still a big one. Leftovers galore. And uh, so far, no votes for ordering out for Turkey. So you oh. can cast your vote, cjob.com. I guess I'm in the minority on that one. Yeah, I was thinking about, should I just order a Turkey? And then I realized, eh, my dad doesn't really like turkey. I only really like the turkey skin. That's the best part. I mean, I, I like the turkey as well, and I like look forward to the turkey sandwiches and stuff. But uh, when it comes to the turkey coming out of the oven, I want that skin as I've soon heard, as possible. I've heard this a few times in the last few weeks. If turkey is so good, why do we only have it three times a year? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because it takes all day to prepare. And I cook. think that's why. I you know I love turkey. I'd have turkey once a week. I absolutely love. Love it so, uh, and as well, we have the Wake Up Santa grand prize oh, to give right. away in thirty minutes' time. Mm-hmm. So we will hopefully be able to track down our winner. We had some qual- five qualifiers last week. One winner. We'll give that away. Sleep Country Canada next half hour. In the meantime, it's Monday, just after eight thirty, which means what? Greg Mackling. We welcome the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Bob Irving, to the start. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, you guys. How are you? We're doing all right. How have you been? Missed you last week, but uh, you've been staying out of trouble or what? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been staying close to home like everybody else. I go for my walk every morning. It was a little nippy this morning, but uh, I go out there for about 45 minutes every morning and get some fresh air, and then I sit around and try to come up with creative things to do during the day. <laughs> <laughs> did you cut your walk short today, or did you do the full 35? Oh, no, I did the full. There's no wind, and, you know, I've got a, a big, heavy jacket, and I've always said if you layer up in this country, uh, you can handle the cold. It's no problem. I got 
my son gave me uh, electric or electric heated gloves and heated socks for Christmas last year. They have little batteries in them, and and you turn them on. And so I was wearing those this morning, and uh, I was I was quite warm. <laughs> wow! I I think I need to get my hands on some of those. How thick are these socks? Well, they're pretty thick, and they're quite long. Uh, but you can really feel the warmth in them when you put them on, and the gloves are the gloves come past your wrist and kind of halfway up your arm. Uh, yeah, they're kind of cool. I didn't even know they existed until he gave them to me for Christmas. And uh, when it gets really cold, like it is this morning, I use them. Well, we'll have to ask Chef Gordon Bailey if we can cook turkey in your socks or in your mitts, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> so vaccines for pro athletes, that's something that came to light last week. I don't know how much uh, opportunity you've had to chat with other people about this, but there are suggestions that the, the NHL might make a move to purchase vaccines outside of, you know, the normal public distribution of these vaccines. Where do you stand on this one? Just because you can, uh, should they be doing this? Well, I don't think they should. Um, you know, I'm one of those people who would be considered in that vulnerable category, and I would want to get the vaccine as soon as it's available to me. And I suppose if these pro leagues uh, purchase, if they're able to, and I don't know if they'll be able to or not, uh, but if they do, then uh, some of us who are waiting to receive it will, you know, be pushed further back in line. So I, it's very simple in, in my mind. Uh, I, whether they'll try to do it or not, I don't know. There's lots of speculation that they will. Uh, you know, the NHL and the NFL and NBA all worked uh, quite well without the vaccine in their bubbles uh, during the past year. So, you know, they and they paid for tests, extra tests, right? So they've certainly got the money to do it, I guess, if, if there's a company producing these vaccines that will sell it to them. Uh, you know, there's a moral question involved in that, and the leagues and the makers of the vaccines are going to have to deal with that themselves. But I hope it doesn't happen because it sets people like me and others back. Also, we had some interesting NFL storylines this week, including the Buffalo Bills moving to 10-3. and three. Plenty of Bills fans across North America who are happy about that. Uh, and the local NFL team, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, should maybe consider calling the kicker for the Blue Bombers. Well, yeah, the Vikings uh, had a tough loss yesterday that probably knocked them realistically out of playoff contention. You know, they still mathematically have a chance, but they're now 6-7. and seven. Dan Bailey is their place kicker. Uh, he kicked for the Dallas Cowboys for many years. He's been in the NFL for 12 years. He's an 87% career field goal kicker, which is pretty good, right? Uh, and 89% the last two years. But uh, he, he missed three yesterday, and he missed a convert. And that played a huge role in the Vikings losing a game to the Tampa Bay Bucks. So I don't know if uh, Bailey will survive. Kickers in the NFL have a notoriously short lifespan. If they go through a tough period, they get cut left and right. Uh, so I don't know how much sympathy the the Vikings are going to have with Bailey because he hurt them big time yesterday. One of the misses was 54 yards, so I think you kind of cut him a little slack on that one. The Buffalo Bills uh, have a very good team. They're highly respected by everybody this year. They're the real deal. They have a young quarterback named Josh Allen who's just terrific. They had an impressive win over the Steelers last night. They're the real deal, and certainly fans in Buffalo, uh, long-suffering fans of all their, their, well, their two major sports teams, have something to be excited about because the Bills are the real deal, and they're a team to very much be reckoned with when the NFL gets around to its playoffs. Yeah, they've got a young general manager there. His name escapes me off the top of my head, Bob, but I think there are only four players left in the organization from when he took over just two and a half or three years ago. And one of the big names and one of the big players most instrumental, you mentioned Josh Allen, but Stephon Diggs, the former yeah. Vikings wide receiver, is having a huge impact on that team. Yes, he is. The Vikings traded Diggs. Uh, he wasn't happy in Minnesota. They weren't happy with him, so they traded him in Buffalo. Now, the player that uh, this Vikings got a draft pick for Diggs, and he's a kid named Jefferson, a receiver who's having a terrific year for mm -hmm. Minnesota. So the trade worked out very well for both teams. But, yeah, Stephon Diggs has made a tremendous difference to Buffalo's attack. He's their key guy, their key receiver. Had a big night last night. They're fun to watch. Josh Allen's got a big arm, and he can run. He's a big guy, 6'3", about 230, I guess. So, uh, yeah, they're a very entertaining team. If you're a Buffalo Bills fan or you've uh, felt sorry for them over the years, don't feel sorry for them anymore. They've got a good club, and they should be around for a while. 
Now, the Edmonton Football Club in the CFL, the Washington football team in the NFL in the midst of name changes, and now the New York Times reporting that Cleveland's baseball franchise planning a move away from their team name. Uh, what was your reaction to that news? Well, I wasn't surprised. It was only a matter of time, I think, till the Cleveland, and I think we can say it, it's been said for years, the Cleveland Indians changed their name, and now they'll be called the Cleveland Baseball Team. It kind of makes me wonder now what happens with the Atlanta Braves and the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, how far do you take, uh, you know, this concern about, uh, you know, about sort of insulting a certain ethnic group or, you know, whatever you want to call it, and I and I, you know, I'm not arguing on either side. I'm just saying if the Cleveland team name isn't right, is Atlanta Braves and Kansas City Chiefs right? Uh, you know, that's a that's a debate that's going on now, and it'd be interesting to see what those teams do. But it's the sign of the times that we're in, and and uh, yeah, it's happened with three teams now, and even uh, there's some local teams in Manitoba that have changed their names, uh, local minor hockey teams. Uh, along the same lines and i think we'll see more of it where it stops i don't know chicago blackhawks is that you know with the big uh you know crest on their their jerseys is that politically incorrect today uh, these are things that these teams are going to have to you know debate and deal with bob we could speak with you all morning but uh the clock on the wall says it's time for us to let you go we appreciate the time every monday morning we'll speak with you next week i'll be here Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back next week. Last evening at 6.58 Central, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau tweeted this. The first batch of doses of Pfizer-BioNTech's COVID-19 vaccine have arrived in Canada. Yeah, and many of us want to know where that precious cargo is now. David Aiken is Chief Political Correspondent for Global News, joins us now. Good morning, David. Morning, guys. How you doing? We're doing A-OK, 13 hours and counting, almost 14 hours since that first shipment of COVID-19 vaccine landed in Montreal. Do we know where that first shipment is now? Uh, there's one in Montreal. There's one in Quebec City. There's some in Toronto. Uh, and we're going to see our first our first Canadians get the dose, uh, their first dose. And remember, it's a two-dose vaccine. So um, it looks like Ontario and Quebec have been kind of trying to compete to see who's going to have the first citizen. Uh, when I woke up this morning, it was Quebec. Quebec is ready to, to give the shot to a senior citizen living in a retirement, in a long-term care facility, uh, in Montreal early this afternoon, probably about one o'clock Eastern time. And then this morning, uh, you know, Ontario wasn't going to start till tomorrow. And now Ontario is going to have their first shot at a hospital in downtown Toronto also early this afternoon. That will be a healthcare worker. And we just seen some, some pictures of the first, uh, person in the United States to get it. Uh, it was a woman, a healthcare worker again in New York. So here we go. Um, you know, you got to start with one. We're going to need to have millions of people vaccinated before we can really let up in terms of all the social distancing and, and uh, other restrictions. But uh, this is V-Day, uh, vaccination day, as uh, General Rick Hillier calls it. He's the guy doing the vaccine, uh, handling the vaccine distribution in Ontario. And I suspect in Manitoba and Saskatchewan and right across the country, it's all going to start, uh, you know, this week. The, uh, the first doses will start to get in people's arms. Yeah, over the weekend, our provincial government received 100,000 inquiries about how to get the vaccine. And that's what most of us want to know. Who wow. is going to be the first to receive the vaccine? Yeah, I mean, every province has a priority list, and Manitoba's is very similar to uh, most in the country. There's some there's some minor variations from province to province, that, but we start basically with we want to get everybody who's in a long-term care facility vaccinated. Now, the Pfizer vaccine may not be the one for that because most people in long-term care facilities, they, they can't move, and the Pfizer folks are saying, really, this is because you got to handle this the Pfizer vaccine very carefully. It's got this ultra cold storage requirement. Uh, you know, there's going to be a central facility for those doses. And so even though everybody wants to get long-term care uh, residents first, it's likely healthcare workers in hospitals and then healthcare workers going into long-term care facilities. And I'm pretty sure that's Manitoba's uh, first priority. And the, the next vaccine to hit hit us will be the Moderna vaccine. We expect that to get approval by year end. And those doses will be here then, you know, almost immediately. 
the Moderna vaccine, that's the one that can travel a bit better. That's the one that a doctor can put a bunch of doses in their satchel and head out on her rounds. That's the vaccine that's going to end up in remote, rural, and indigenous communities because, again, it doesn't require that. And indigenous communities are high on the priority list right across the country. You know, after you get long-term care residents, after you get health care workers, most jurisdictions want to get into remote indigenous communities. We know the situation up in Shamatawa. It's terrible. One-third of the communities got this thing. And this is because in those remote communities, the, the risks are disproportionate because there aren't the facilities for isolating. There aren't some of the health care facilities. You want to make sure those communities are protected. And so they are high on uh, priorities. In fact, Manitoba's got some extra allocation of doses relative. We, we know this is going to be per capita. That's how everybody gets their, their doses handed out per capita by population. But Manitoba's got a little more than per capita, again, recognizing that there is a big indigenous population in Manitoba that's going to need some extra attention. About 90 seconds here, David. Health Canada over the weekend issued a note that spoke to allergic reactions to the Pfizer vaccine. What what does the manufacturer say about the, that side effect? Yeah, there's uh, there was two folks in the United Kingdom who got an allergic reaction, two healthcare workers who got it after they took it. And so Health Canada got a lot of questions about this. And so they put this note out, and here's the bottom line. This thing is safe. You're, you're very, very rare, to, or very, very unlikely to have an allergic reaction. But you should talk to your healthcare provider. The ingredients of this Pfizer vaccine on Health Canada's website, this is not a vaccine grown using chicken cells most other vaccines that's the way you do it you grow the vaccine grow the the virus in a chicken cell you you attenuate it and then you put it in your arm that's why you get asked are you allergic to eggs before you get your flu vaccine this is not that kind of vaccine the pfizer is all new technology no chickens are used so uh that's one thing but you're you're probably going to get you know your arm is going to be sore that's one side effect almost everybody has you might get some chills you might get a headache you might get a fever Uh, that's the sign of the vaccine doing its job the manufacturer says those side effects are mild to moderate, last a couple of days, and then you're good to go. David Aiken, Chief Political Correspondent for Global News, joining us live on 680 CJOB. David, thank you very much for the time, sir. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Last week, Greg, you missed something fun. We had a contest. Tell me. Tell me. I may have heard about it. Wake Up Santa is the name of the contest. Sleep Country Grand Prize, which we are about to give away. Two wool pillows, a Queen Bloom Performance Sheet Set, Queen Fieldcrest Luxury Line Duvet Cover Set, and Lavender Spray. Do you know anybody who uses this Lavender Spray, by the way? I do not. Okay, well, apparently it's supposed to help you relax and whatnot. I love the smell of lavender. I uh, experienced lavender chicken in California about six, seven years ago. Oh, It was a fantastic recipe, and uh, I guess that explains why I wanted to take a nap after I ate that. <laughs> it's not just the turkey. <laughs> so last week, we, in order to qualify, you had to tell us a story, a Santa disaster story, and we got some great stories. The, the common, the most common thread of the entire week was that uh, Santa sometimes over imbibes and and mistakes are made because of uh, consumption issues on Santa's part. Well, you're not supposed to leave Crown Royal out for Santa. He likes it, yeah, but uh, he can't help himself. So if you do, you know he's going to drink it. Yeah. And uh, another common thread involved um, adult toys falling into the wrong hands. Like a to- like a pro- like a present that was meant for mm-hmm. the wife ended mm-hmm. up in mm-hmm. the aunt's hands. No, so, no. Yep. And then the aunt, by the way, kept it. She kept it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm gonna have to go to the audio vault for that. <laughs> but here's another example of a story, and I just wanted to harvest this one because it was so nicely told. This is from Mark. It's more of a lesson here. Uh, Santa's usually wise enough to wait to buy Mrs. Claus and her household a gift on Christmas Eve, and it always turns out. But with the restrictions this year, Santa had to go to Home Depot to try and find the most romantic gift for uh, Mrs. Claus. And knowing that he got it early, he decided to hide it in the garage somewhere his wife never goes, except for this year she decided to go in the garage and find the uh, sexy gift from Home Depot. So 
Just a lesson learned. No matter what anyone says, wait till Christmas Eve. Has has there already been an indication that they are pleased or disappointed with said uh, sexy gift, as you put it? Well, how many sexy gifts have you seen at Home Depot? <laughs> Would it have been disappointing Christmas morning or when she found it in the garage? I was just thinking maybe she'd be like, ooh, I'm really digging that faucet. What was the gift? No, can, you, can you tell us what, what Santa brought? Santa brought a... Uh, to boil water with a tea infuser in it. That's about the best Home Depot has to offer. Oh, okay. that, well, that actually sounds pretty cool. Well, I'm not oh. going to cost Santa more because he's got to go get another gift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a good idea, my friend. Uh-huh. No, what, I was listening very closely. What was the gift? It w- well, let's ask him. Mark? Hello. Hey, Mark joins us now live on CJOB. What was the gift? Uh, it was just a kettle uh, to boil water with a tea infuser. So am I ever happy you guys are calling? I think you may have saved my Christmas. <laughs> we aim to please, Mark. Congratulations, Mark. You are the grand prize winner of Wake Up Santa, courtesy of Sleep Country Canada. I've got one question for you guys. Yeah. Uh-oh. Is Brett McGarry going to make her bed and spray lavender mist on us? <laughs> Okay, the story there in GMAC <laughs> yes. is uh, a couple of years ago, I was dating somebody and she got the spray and neither of us knew what to do with it. So she said, okay, well, she was already in bed and she meant to spray it beforehand. And she says, oh, can you spray some of that mist? So <laughs> I said, okay. And of course it all, you know, it, it went into the air and then it all came down on her face and then she starts <laughs> coughing. Oh, no. So neither of us, <laughs> we clearly didn't think that through. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the idea is you spray it, and mm. then mm-hmm. you leave it, it for a little while, and then you get into bed. <laughs> yeah, otherwise you have that Cheryl David uh, talcum powder situation. You don't want that. <laughs> so, Mark, congratulations, sir. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And uh, aside from this, did you did you get in touch with Santa Claus to to come up with a plan B? No, I was sweating buckets here, so you guys came through just in time. (laughs) All right, Mark, congratulations. Markville, the grand prize winner of Wake Up Santa, courtesy of Sleep Country. But thanks to all for the stories that you shared with the the Santa blunders, uh, the Santa disasters, because Santa sometimes makes mistakes. A lot of people were telling us, Greg, they ended up, you know, it was a brother-sister situation. Brother would end up with the sister's underwear and vice versa. Uh, things like that, presence. We had one listener tell us, then this was just re- involving their own pre- gift wrapping. They love wrapping presents. They had to wrap something like 36 presents in one shot. No. And then when he got to the end, yes. realized he had not no. put, put tags on put any of them. Put the tags on. Oh. <laughs> so he had I, to redo oh, it. Oh, you know, I hate wrapping gifts. In fact, I am famous infamous perhaps for wrapping my gifts like Christmas morning. And I'm not talking two or three in the morning. I'm talking like eight, nine, ten o'clock in the morning <laughs> as we're running out the door to go and, and exchange gifts. I still haven't wrapped them. I really, yeah, you would think after 50 years I would figure that out. It's not a great strategy. I used to hate wrapping presents, but now I actually kind of like it. I find you it do? So, yeah. I mean, I don't get fancy with it. I don't put bows or ribbons or mm. anything on it because I used to just have a hard time, like just even with the simple folding of the corners. And then once I stopped caring about that, once I realized I'm not good at this, so who cares? If, I, if you get a gift that's wrapped from me, and you can, then you're going to recognize this was wrapped by an animal, but hey, it's from Brett. So... It's the thought that counts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's personalized. Yeah. It has your own certain, can we call it flair? Yeah. Okay, we'll call it flair. Sometimes when I don't have, if I need to wrap a present and realize I don't have any wrapping paper, I'll just use a, whatever flyer I have in the, that I got in the mail that I The I Saturday comics were always a good way to go. Oh, yeah. That's right. I should invest in that. But mm-hmm. congratulations, Mark. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back next week. We just gave away our Wake Up Santa grand prize from Sleep Country. Now we got to give away a car pass for Canadians Winter Wonderland based on your text messages at 204-780-6868 on your favorite homemade holiday treats. 
so many people doing baking over the weekend, for example. And uh, we got lots of great texts, of course. And now Greg and I are both starving. Uh, this first story here, Greg, <laughs> is, uh, is pretty funny. It is because it involves an ex-mother-in-law. Mm. My ex-mother-in-law used to make these, not me. Not me. I don't have one of those. This is from one of our listeners. My ex-mother-in-law used to make these delicious treats called Buckeyes. They're a peanut butter rice crispy ball that are absolutely a mess to make. I managed to get the recipe and my wife has been making them for me. But every year she posts a picture on Facebook cursing my ex's family. It's all in good fun, of course. My wife and ex-sister-in-law are quite close, and she thinks it's <laughs> hilarious. So I like that. Mending fences via baking, that's, a, that's always a good sign. <laughs> uh, this text, I wanted to just reshare this because this is really sweet from Melissa, who says, My mom was not a baker, but I absolutely love it. My favorite thing to make is apple crumble cheesecake with almond extract. I have normally been doing a lot of different cookies uh, with my five-year-old daughter lately. She turns six on Saturday, but yesterday we made pierogies. Normally I would be hesitant to let her do the whole thing herself, but she did an amazing job. My rolling pin broke, and we were actually using uh, Play-Doh Rolling pin to flatten the dough. A Play-Doh rolling pin. <laughs> These are memories that I hope stick with her because I love building traditions. Melissa, thank you for sharing that story. That's wonderful stuff. But, uh, Greg, why don't you jump to our winner here? Well, I'm just wondering if you can make pierogies in the Easy Bake Oven. Just a thought oh, there. yeah. Do those things actually work? Like yeah. You can actually make things in the Easy Bake it's Easy amazing. Yeah, it's amazing how much heat you can get from a 100-watt light bulb. It's insane. Okay. All right. This is our winner. The first time I ever made homemade shortbread, I was talking on the phone. Instead of putting one cup of butter, I put two. Yes. <laughs> yeah, everything's better with more butter. After putting the cherries on each cookie and popping it in the oven, 10 minutes later... It came out one <laughs> large cookie yeah! with about 20 cherries on top. Now, the next year, my promise ring came off in the shortbread. I still have no idea what happened to that ring. That brings a whole other meaning to money cake and some of these fruit cakes where people hide the, the coins inside. How about this? A promise ring cookie. Man, that would that would must have just been so heartbreaking to lose that promise ring, and then for it to not turn up because you got to imagine, you know, it, what somebody ate it. That like, would be the assumption. Like, would you not know? Like, unless you're eating cookies like me, you know, <laughs> I tend to, you know, there's a scene in The Simpsons where Homer is eating something and he doesn't actually chew it; he just kind of inhales it, and sure. they're like, "Ah, he's eating more like a duck." So that, 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 I could see that being possible because sometimes I'll just take a, an entire chocolate chip cookie, shovel the whole thing in, and it's gone in three seconds. The cookie monster himself, if you put a two-carat diamond in a chocolate chip cookie, probably would never find it, would end up on the floor strewn all over the place. So I, I guess if you eat cookies like Cookie Monster, you probably wouldn't have found the ring either. Mackling and McGarry McNabb back next week before we introduce our next guest, and we're very excited to speak to our next guest. But I just want to read this text message from Susan uh, because this is nice. Susan says, Our family always has dinner at my mom's house. She makes the turkey, and the rest of the family brings certain dishes. Well, we are all making our usual things and then putting them in separate dishes, and we will have a physically distanced exchange on her front steps so we can all have a nice dinner. So I guess they're going to bring some food to mom. Mom's going to bring, give some food to them. And uh, she, Susan adds, I work in ICU at HSC on Christmas Day, so my daughters will make the exchange. They are excited to catch a glimpse of their grandma. So that's, that's nice. And, you know, even though we can't visit each other, you can still drop by and make the drop-off or make a delivery. Like on uh, Saturday, Greg, I was in Transcona so uh, to visit my dad, so I stopped in at the, the beer boutique. I can't remember if I told you about this, but they've got this new beer that they've uh, they've teamed up with a local brewery called Vessel Beer. I saw your post on, I think it was Instagram and Twitter perhaps about this. Yeah, the Transcona Proud Local Motive Pale Ale, or as mm. I call it, the Rail Ale, and uh, it's delicious. So I got three jugs and I dropped, and thanks to manager Steve for that, but I dropped one off at uh, my buddy Kent's place. I went to see my friends Kent and Eileen and I visited with them. Just out, I stood outside for five minutes and got to see their their boys and their dogs. 
Uh, so it was nice. Like I, I didn't get to go in and hang out, but it, I haven't seen them in weeks. So it just, you know, that was kind of a, gave me a little shot of adrenaline for my soul, so to speak. So. Yeah, I saw my sister-in-law and my mother-in-law at the end of the driveway this weekend. Uh, it was like they, they were close enough that I could hear them and we had to shout, And uh, but a wave <laughs> felt more appropriate because as close as they were, they were still way down there at the end of the driveway. So we're all making our arrangements. We're all making our adjust- adjustments. And uh, Susan, thank you for what you do every single day uh, working in the ICU and then to be working on Christmas Day as well. That's just indicative of the type of people who work uh, as frontline healthcare workers, Brett. Uh, they uh, are such giving people. They, they put their, their jobs first and foremost in their lives, and uh, we're so lucky to, to have them and to honour them. So thank you for that text, Susan. We appreciate it. Thanks to, for all of your texts at 204-780-6868. And make sure you follow us. Greg mentioned Instagram. Make sure you follow us at 680CJOB on Instagram. Now, we aren't going to do anything to solve the growling tummies you might have sharing with us your best and favorite Christmas treats. No, I uh, I am going to be making a run. I don't know for the candy bar machine or something on the way home, but Chef Gordon Bailey of the Culinary Arts Program at Red River College joins us to talk turkey and other delicious holiday food this morning. Good morning, Chef. Good morning. How you guys doing, Greg and Brett? We're doing great and always a little bit better when we're speaking with you. Before we talk turkey, baking, as maybe you've been hearing, or at least in the last few minutes here, have been talking about baking, what a big part it is of Christmas celebrations and other holidays this time of year. My grandma, Huge. my nanny, as we called her, was an amazing baker, less than spectacular a cook. Is there a different skill set or science between the two talents, Gordon? Yeah, I got to say there is. I mean, with with savory cooking, you got a lot more freedom and chance to be sort of freestyling with it. Whereas with baking, it's more of a science. You got to have your uh, ratios, your weights, your measurements uh, bang on, or it's just not going to work. So that's that's probably the biggest difference between the two. If you feel like you want to be a freestyler, do the savory. You want to be scientific, you like following rules. Do the baking. Yeah, with that baking, I mean, we had one of our listeners text us that uh, she wasn't paying attention and added two cups of butter instead of one to her uh, shortbread cookies. And instead of, I think, 10 different cookies on the sheet, she ended up with one gigantic cookie, which doesn't sound like a uh, bad problem to have. You know, you know, that could be fine. You know, just break it up and eat it separately. Um, I mean, when is too much butter a bad thing? That was my thought exactly. Yeah. But obviously, in the science of the baking, that's what ends up happening. You, you, you have a situation like that. It, Gordon, uh, I spend a lot of time in the restaurant business. And uh, when I worked with Earl's back in the day, we weren't super fond of packaging up our food for takeout. And we certainly did not do delivery. But in these COVID times, restaurants have had to change uh, the, the business model dramatically and one of the challenges that restaurants will have is packing up that food so that once you get it home or once they get it to you it tastes at least close to what it might taste like if it was on a plate delivered to you in the restaurant tell us about the challenges of packaging up food and and food that maybe travels well travels better than others well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, packaging food is always tough. It depends on the, 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 I guess, type of restaurant that you are. The more rustic the food, probably the easier it is to package. The more fine dining it is, the tougher it is, because a lot of presentation goes into that as well. And you're putting in these containers, it doesn't quite have the same look, right? Um, but if you're packaging up food, I mean, you want to keep it simple, okay? If we're going to be uh, delivering food, we're going to be playing food Santa, I think you want to keep it within your abilities, because you don't want to add any extra stress to yourself. And the big thing is, if you're going to be delivering this food, cook it, cool it quickly. After it's cooked, cool it real quickly, okay? Keep it food safe, and also also keep the food separate. Why? Why? Because you know what? Then you leave it up to the people that it's getting delivered to, to sort of mix and match their own combos the way they like it. And why is it important to, to cool it as quickly as possible? Well, you want to keep it food safe, right? So if you, you know, have something that's hot, you package it hot, it's going to sweat, it's going to stay at a higher temperature, it's going to get into that danger zone, which unless you're, you know, Tom Cruise, you want to keep it out of the danger zone. Um, so, yeah, cool it quickly. That way it doesn't sweat. It stays also the same flavor and quality as it was when it was first cooked. 
Chef, help us with that just a, in a little bit more detail with regard to uh, if you're cooking, say, a bird, a chicken or turkey or something else with the explicit idea that you're going to package it up and send it out, or even with your leftovers. Talk about the that danger zone and how you can avoid it. You mentioned cooling it quickly. So many of us will just, you know, we'll let stuff sit on the counter and then we package it up and, and put it in the fridge. Talk to us about, about the dangers of doing one or the other. Well, sure. Okay, you know, if it comes out of the oven, obviously you want to let it rest anyways. A good meat should rest for a little bit before you carve into it. So let it come down in temp. Sure, that's fine. I mean, if you want to leave it on the counter for, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, that's not going to kill anybody. But once it comes down to that uh, sort of rested temperature, I would break it down into smaller units, smaller pieces, like take the legs and thighs off, take the breasts off the bone. Uh, that way you can put that into your fridge. It's going to cool a lot quicker than putting a whole bird in your fridge. That'll kind of turn it into a sweat box. Also, if you slice the meats, okay, so they've, you know, rested, they've come down in temp a bit, slice them, the smaller surface area that you have, or the more surface area they have, the cooler it's going to be, the quicker it's going to get cool, the less it's going to be out of that danger zone. I mean, like, quite honestly, you know, if a bird or something like that sits out for, you know, a small period of time, there's not much of a danger. But, you know, you leave things out too long, you let them, you know, sit at room temperature for too long, you could be causing, you could be sharing something you don't want to share, let's put it that way when it comes to turkey what's the best way to reheat it if i if i someone brings me a turkey or a turkey dinner that they've cooked and they've since cooled uh should i just throw it in the microwave or what do you have a better solution for that yeah, I mean, I got a better solution for sure. Microwaves, they work. They're good. I got nothing against the good old microwave. But if you want to do it really nicely, what I would do is put it in a pan or put it in an oven-safe uh, vessel. Put a little bit of that stock or a little bit of water in with the bird, okay, the sliced uh, turkey. Cover it, place it in the oven, let it come up to temp. Boom. Keeps moisture in, keeps it juicy, keeps it awesome. I love it. I love it, man. Um, and as well with uh, frying a turkey, we've asked you about this before, but we had it. We were joking around about it earlier. How we would love to try it, but I don't think uh, Greg and I would have the <laughs> would would get it right because we know it's it's pretty dangerous. Why is it dangerous to fry a turkey? Well, the big danger about frying a turkey is people kind of forget about uh, disbursement of liquid. So what happens is you fill your oil up in the pot, you put it on the the burner, the fryer. Um, you know, you put in that, say, 8-kilogram bird, the oil was up to the top, it spills over, it goes on the flame, catches your garage on fire, catches your house on fire, catches your neighbor's place on fire, not good. Catches your tree, catches your backyard on fire. Uh, that's the big danger with it, right? Uh, so you want to make sure that you sort of have uh, just enough oil that when you do place your turkey, if you're frying it in the pot, that the only oil only covers it, keeps it submerged. Um, it, it's a great way to do it. Like frying a turkey, beautiful. Um, you just got to be careful that when you pull it out, you think it's going to be just golden brown and fully cooked because it's brown. Check again. Use an internal uh, thermometer, probe thermometer. Make sure that you have it to the proper doneness. Go at least 165 on that bad boy, and then you should be good to go. Okay, and one uh, more question. I know we asked you this around Thanksgiving, but this notion and the suggestion that you cook a turkey upside down, tell us why that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, you know what? Okay, you can cook it upside down if you wish. What's going to happen is it'll sort of uh, allow the juices as they're sort of uh, coming out from the bird to like sort of self-baste it uh, since it'd be inverted. Uh, but quite honestly, I, I, I prefer the old classic. I brine my birds, okay? I do them in a salt solution uh, for 12 to 24 hours prior to... Uh, to roasting them. Uh, that sort of keeps in that moisture retention. Uh, and then I like to baste, right? I keep the, the turkey basted, um, you know, so that it has a really nice browning effect, also keeps it nice and moist. I sort of go with that classic, you know, breast side up. But if you want to flip it and you want to invert it, you want to do something different in this 2020 Christmas season that we're in, go ahead, flip your bird. Flip it the bird. Just don't flip me the bird. That's yeah. all I ask in the meantime. <laughs> hey, one of our listeners uh, asking, what is the reheat up to temperature temperature? The reheat up to temperature temperature. Well, quite honestly, I would take everything to at least 140. If it's already been fully cooked, go up to 140 and you should be good. You will be good. All right. Chef Gordon Bailey, Culinary Arts Program, Road River College, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Chef, thank you for the tips as always. Always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. Awesome. Thanks, guys.
That uh, Brian that he's talking about, I forgot about that. He told us about that last year, I think, Greg. Yes. That sounds... Uh, last couple of years, and I just... I'm not organized enough to get there. <laughs> I don't have an extra sink. Like, where, where am I going to put this bad boy? Is Gordon on the still on the line? No, he's Chef's gone. gone. He uh, maybe you need to get... I think, didn't he say something about going to Home Depot or similar place and getting an actual bucket and then that way you don't have to put it in the in the sink i believe so yeah 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 brand new bucket don't pull one from the garage and, and <laughs> wipe it out something that's <laughs> been used for like mr cleans in there oh yeah or a, a dust pail or something uh, which is what i use my buckets for eventually so yeah uh lots of great great advice from the chef uh, gordon bailey i guess we should probably have him back on one more time before christmas what do you think I have no problem with that. Talk to him any time. I mean, I get hungry at the end of it, but I've been hungry oh, well. all morning. I mean, yeah. I'm hungry every morning, so yeah, what difference would it make? It would make no difference. Yeah, because uh, tomorrow I'm sure we'll find some other food thing to talk about, and then we'll no be starving question. by 8 a.m. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.